Crispin here with the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a member of our teaching team, our resident seminary student, Brandon Smith, who is delivering a message on prayer called Praying for a Change. Hey, we've got all kinds of things coming up here, busy week at North Shore Vineyard. On Saturday night, we will have our annual Fall for Art celebration with live music from Cactus Thief and art from local artists. And then the next day, we do our Bag Hunger food drive for the Covington Food Bank along with a barbecue. So if you're in the area, bring a bag of food over and join us for a barbecue here on site at North Shore Vineyard. But for now, let's head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard, downtown Covington. spoke to Moses, hurry up and go down. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt are ruining everything. They've already abandoned the path that I commanded. They have made a metal bull calf for themselves. They bound down to it and offered sacrifice to it and declared, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I've been watching these people and I've seen how stubborn they are. Now leave me alone, let my fury burn and devour them. Then I'll make a great nation out of you. But Moses pleaded with the Lord his God, Lord, why does your fury burn against your own people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt with great power and amazing force? Why should the Egyptians say he had an evil plan to take the people out and kill them in the mountains and so wipe them off the earth? Calm down your fierce anger. Change your mind about doing terrible things to your own people. Remember remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, whom you yourself promised I'll make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky. And I promise to give your descendants this whole land to possess for all time. Then the Lord changed his mind about the terrible things he said he would do to his people. So, if you're like me, when you read this passage, the first thing you think about is Charlton Heston. Because I cannot read this passage without thinking about the Ten Commandments movie that I watch every Easter, by the way, all six hours of it. And so, but this scene in this movie, I think it gets this scene a little wrong because never have I really thought about what happens here between Moses and God. The fact that when God gets angry and then Moses starts pleading with God, what Moses is actually doing is praying. He is praying, interceding for the people, standing in the gap for his people. And that's something I don't think I've really thought about in that way. It's always God and Moses kind of arguing, but that's, a lot of times that's what prayer is. And so I started thinking about the, the way we think about prayer and how weird and hard and it is for us, even though it is something that is vital to being Christians. And so... I, think, I was thinking we all have our own prayer faux pas. There's things that have happened in our prayer lives that we're probably embarrassed about. I will tell you a story uh, that you'll like, but I still can't stand. When I was about 15, 16, I started going to a real charismatic church, real fire. They're, they're a type of charismatic churches that had a healing service every week. Now, I was excited about a healing service because I'd never seen anybody healed before, so I wanted to be a part of that. So I went up 
to the healing service, and I asked if I could pray for people to be healed. The pastor there is very kind. He said, okay, I'll tell you how to do it. Somebody's going to come up, and whatever they say is hurting, you just put their hand on that and pray for it. They said they got a headache, put your hand on your head, their head and pray for it. If they're in a wheelchair, get on your knees and put your hands on their legs and pray for them to be healed. So I'm listening, okay, I can do this, I can do this. So I'm really excited. I'm going to see some people get, be healed. God's going to use me to heal some people, hopefully. And so I'm, we got through to the worship and got to the prayer portion of the service, and people started coming up for prayers for healing. The first lady that came up to me looked at me. She's about 40, and she said, I have breast cancer. I was like, I put your hands where they're hurting. I, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So, uh, so I put my hand on her shoulder, and I pray for her. But it was like, it was weird because at that moment, prayer had become really complicated to me. A lot more complicated than it should have been. Another time, this is not my story, it's a friend of mine's. Uh, he told me just a couple years ago what happened. He was at a, a conference in Georgia. And uh, they, they were having prayer time. And uh, there he went down for some prayer this time. And a little old lady was praying for him. Now, my friend, you have to understand, he's two things. He's very witty, too witty for his own good. And he is very, very fat. He is huge, obese man. Bigger than I am. I know what you're thinking. How can you say that? I said, come on. Come on. I know. But he's a bigger guy than me. So he went down for prayer. He was dealing with some depression and stuff. And so this old lady started praying for him. You know, pretty general, you know, God bless him, stuff like that. And then unprompted, she started praying for a certain spirit to come out of him. She started asking that the spirit of obesity come out of him. Lord, may the spirit of obesity come out of him. And my friend at first was like, is she really saying what I think she's saying? The spirit of obesity? What is that? What does that look like? And so she kept saying it. And he looked at me and goes, Brandon, I couldn't help myself. So eventually, I waited. And she said it again. She said, spirit of obesity, I manage you to come out of him. And without flinching, he goes, I will for a cookie. <laughs> and so, so this lady freaked out. <laughs> and, um, and he's like, I couldn't help it. I just had to. And um, so it scared her to death. And I don't know if she ever prayed for the spirit of obesity to come out of a person ever again because that one wanted a cookie bad. Um, but I tell you these stories because we make prayer so complicated and hard, you know, by doing these things when really it shouldn't be that difficult. It should be a natural part of our Christian life, our Christian experience. It is vital that we pray. So what is prayer exactly? The age-old adage I've heard is prayer is just talking to God. It is that. That's all it is. But at the same time, if it's just talking to God, why do we have such a hard time with it? How come we actually have to fight to make time to pray, to find time to have a prayer life? Why is it so hard? And one of the things I've always heard is that the primary purpose of prayer is not that we change God, but that prayer changes us, which is a truth statement, I think. Prayer forms us. When we pray, we enter into the spirit of God and, and converse with him. Our spirit is formed in ways that no other practice can form it. 
by just being with God. But at the same time, I don't think that's just it. As we just read in that rather weird passage of Moses interceding for his people, the last verse, verse 14 says, God changed his mind about what he was going to do to his people. God changed his mind. Don't think about that too hard. You'll have a stroke. But it's a weird thing to think that God changed his mind on account of Moses praying. So I think our prayers, they do something that influences God in a certain way. I think our prayers influence God because God wants us to partner with him to do the things on the earth that he wants to do. And in fact, I think some things God will not do unless it's in response to our prayers. Another familiar passage is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their land. If my people pray. So that means, what that says to me is, if you don't pray, well then God's not going to heal our land. He wants to do things in response to our prayers because he wants to partner with us. God is not some weird universal dictator where everything he says goes. He wants a real relationship with us, and that means he wants to partner with us to make the world more like the kingdom of God. So when we pray, yes, it does form us. It forms us spiritually. It forms us mentally. It forms us emotionally. But at the same time, our prayers do have an effect on God. And that's something I think we need to take very seriously. When we're praying for healing or for our finances or for our friends to come to know the Lord, we're not just praying and we are the only things that being transformed. The things we pray for can actually come to reality because we prayed for it. God wants to do things in response to our prayers. Now, I think that makes some people a bit nervous because I think we want to approach God with a, a certain sense of reverence. We don't want to do anything to make him angry. But I also think that can also kind of hinder our prayer life. There's a, a verse in Garden, the, uh, the Gospels, Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is praying and he's begging, pleading God to take this cup away from him. God doesn't, uh, Jesus does not want to go through the crucifixion, but he says, not be it my will, but your will. So Jesus is submitting his will to the fathers, which is good, something we should do. But I also think sometimes we can use that as a cop-out for not being bold in our prayers. We think... Well, if we're praying something against God's will, then we could be actually in sin and God won't hear us anyway. So we kind of, well, that didn't happen, so that's just not God's will. And we kind of use it to protect ourselves when we feel our prayers are unanswered. But boldness in prayer is not something that bothers God. We see that all through. I think about uh, in Genesis 18, Abraham. God comes to Abraham and says, hey, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham then is bold and engages with God and says, no, no, the, the phrase actually in the, the scripture is, will the judge of all the earth not do the right thing? Really, you're God and you're going to do this horrible thing? You're the judge of all the earth and you're not going to do right? Abraham is bold in his prayers and he talks God down to where, if, you know, if Abraham can find a single person in all of Sodom and Gomorrah that is righteous, God will not destroy it. 
Of course he couldn't. But just because that's God's will didn't stop Abraham from boldly entering to God saying, nope, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to intercede for the people of Sodom and Morah. And God was taught down from 50 people to one. But and Abraham did not rest on God's will. So a lot of times in Scripture we see when we boldly engage with God, God seems to engage with the humans all the more often. God is not scared of your bold prayers. God is not scared of you challenging him. God just wants you to engage with him and relate to him and partner with him. And sometimes those prayers won't, won't be answered. Abraham's was not answered. And Solomon and Gomorrah was destroyed. Moses' prayer, on the other hand, prayed for the children of Israelites, and they were spared. So, but boldness is a key to prayer, that we cannot rest on our laurels. We cannot be timid when it comes to prayer. So, now, I know you might be asking, Brandon, okay, I've been praying for this my whole life. It hasn't happened. I've been praying for this healing, you know, for that person, and there's not happening. So I'm praying hard. I'm praying bold. I'm praying often, but yet my prayer is not getting answered. What's up? Well, we have to understand also that prayer is our primary weapon in spiritual warfare, and sometimes our prayers get caught up in this spiritual war, this cosmic battle between God and Satan. There's a weird verse in Daniel I do want to look at. It's in Daniel 10. I'm actually going to read it to you all. But in Daniel 10, starting in verse 11, an angel visits Daniel and says, Daniel, you are greatly treasured. Now grasp the meaning of what I'm saying to you and stand up because I've been sent to you. As he said this to me, I stood up shaking. Then the man said to me, don't be afraid, Daniel, because from the day you first set your mind to understand things and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I've come because of your words. For 21 days, the leader of the Persian kingdom blocked me my way. But then Michael, one of the highest leaders, came to help me. I left Michael there with the leader of the Persian kingdom, but I've come to help you understand what will happen to your people in the future because there is another vision concerning that time. So what happens here is really weird is Daniel was praying for his people. He had been praying for a long time. Suddenly the angel appears to him that God sent, and the angel says, hey, I'm here. Your words were heard. It took me a little while to get here because the leader of the Persian kingdom blocked me. So what this means is that there was some kind of demonic force, some evil spirit, that actually blocked this angel from getting to Daniel sooner. It's 21 days. He blocked me for three weeks until I had help from Michael, the highest angel, come help me, and I'm here. Do not think that God did not hear your prayer. Do not think that God ignored your words. Do not think that. God is the answerer of prayer. Satan and his demons are the blockers of it. We are always so quick to blame God when our prayers don't come to fruition. But maybe, just maybe, we don't see everything that's going on. We don't know when there's this 
spiritual battle going on that we can't see. We don't know what's going on. So we pray and press through. In Mark chapter 9, was it chapter 9? I'm going to put Mark 9, yep. Mark 9, the, the disciples are seen trying to cast out a demon from a man that's been tormented, and they can't do it. They're doing everything Jesus taught them to do, but it won't leave. So finally Jesus gets there, casts it out, and the disciples are like, why couldn't we do that, Lord? We did everything you taught us to do. And Jesus' only response to them was, this kind only comes out through prayer. You can't do anything except prayer, dig in your heels, and battle. I think in our main scripture, that's what Moses was doing. I don't know if you understand how risky it was for Moses to pray for the Israelites like he did. God just said, okay, I'm going to kill them. You, you're good. I want to make a great nation out of you. So Moses had it good. All Moses had to do was kind of sit back, and he's living an easy life. Everybody's dying. But Moses did not see it that way. Moses dug in his heels, went to battle, and says, I'm putting my neck out there for my people because I love them. And God, I know that you love them. And so he stood in the gap. And so when we intercede for people, that is literally what we're doing. We are standing in the gap for people. Because let me tell you something. When they started making this golden calf to worship, they were at the bottom of the mountain, Moses at the top. The Bible doesn't tell us how long Moses has been up there, but it's been longer than what the children of Israel obviously expected him to be up there. And so... The experience that Moses was having with God at the top of the mountain was not the same experience the people were having at the bottom of the mountain. For all they knew, Moses was dead. They weren't seeing the miraculous things that God was doing at the top of the mountain. But Moses did, and Moses knew that. He knew that their experience were not the same as his experience. So because he was at the top of the mountain, it was his job to stand in the gap and intercede for the people at the bottom of the mountain. That's what we're called to do as Christians. We're at this top of the mountain having these experiences with God, and not everybody at the bottom is. So it's our job to intercede, step in, dig in our hills, and go to battle for the people at the bottom of the mountain. So... We're going to do that in just a minute. I, uh, I've heard messages like this before, and it's like, it's really easy to hear this message, say amen, go home. But uh, I'm not about that. So we're actually going to try this. We're actually going to pray before we leave today. And I want to do, focus on three different forms of prayer. The first is the one, the main kind we've been talking about, some that most of you are familiar with, which is intercessory prayer. That's when you stand in the gap for somebody beside you. That's when you stand in the gap for the person at the bottom of the mountain. Intercessory, you're seating, interceding for them. You're stepping in the way. You're making an intercession on behalf of someone else. Second type of prayer we're going to do is structured prayer. Structured prayer is what Christians have been doing throughout history, and that's when you read and pray the prayer that someone else has prayed. Throughout history, Christians have prayed the psalm. You open up the psalms and you just pray through them. Or other words, sometimes you'll pray, uh, I know like uh, there's the Book of Common Prayer that I use a lot, that Episcopalians and uh, I think Catholics use it as well. 
they use this Book of Common Prayer to pray these ancient prayers that these people have prayed. I use structured prayer primarily when I, I don't know how to pray. About a year ago, I was diagnosed with uh, depression. And I found in my prayer life that I could not form words because I was in so much pain. I was so hurting that I literally went over my mouth and no words would come out. I didn't know how to pray. So I leaned on structured prayer. The prayers of these saints of times past, I would just read them and pray to God and make them my prayers. So we're going to do structured prayer. And lastly, we're going to do contemplative prayer. This is the one that's going to be hard for some of you to think. Uh, Pastor Brian Zahn calls this sitting with Jesus. Contemplative prayer is when we stop saying things instead of trying to get God to do what we think God should do. We be silent and we listen. I think that's the biggest thing missing in evangelical prayer is that we don't make time just to sit still and listen. Because God wants to speak to us as much as he ever did, but sometimes we won't shut up long enough for him to speak. So when, when, you kinda, when you're in contemplative prayer, you're quiet and you're sitting with Jesus and letting him say anything he wants to say to you. So we're about to practice these. So what's going to happen, Zach and Faith are going to come up whenever they're ready and just play something soft then I'm going to put my clock on two minutes and I want you to intercede for somebody next to you. Just look at them and pray for them. Stand in the gap. Now, I don't want you to preach to them. I don't want you to counsel them. I don't want you to give them advice. I want you to pray for them. It doesn't have to be long. Say, I'm going to put the timer on two minutes. So you got to, out loud, please, out loud out loud so they can hear it. you got two minutes, so keep it brief. And then when that two minutes is over, I'm going to intercede on behalf of us as a church. After I'm done that, I'm going to put the timer on two minutes again, and we are going to sit with Jesus. This is going to be hard for some of you. We're going to be completely silent for two whole minutes. Can you do that? Two minutes. It's going to feel like 15 for some of you. But we're going to be silent, and we're going to listen to Jesus. When we do that, I just want you to imagine Jesus sitting in a chair in front of you with a cup of coffee. And I want you to just ask Jesus, is there anything you want to say to me? And then just listen. Listen to that spirit, if anything's saying to you. And then I'm going to close this with one of my favorite structure prayers that I do every day. And then we're going to go home. And we're going to love each other and pray for each other at home, as we often do, as we should do. So, so I want you, everybody, close your eyes. Again, Zach and Faith are going to be playing. And just turn to somebody next to you and intercede. Okay? And I'm going to start praying once that two minutes is up, okay? So, on three. One, two, three. You got two minutes.
Holy Spirit, Lord, I want to come to you on behalf of North Shore Vineyard Church. I want to stand in the gap of this body. Lord, when I was an orphan child with no home, they took me in and made me one of their own. So I want to give you thanks for this body. And Lord, I want to stand in the gap for this church and ask you to bless us spiritually, numerically, financially, Lord. May your presence always dwell when this body comes together. May you never leave us or forsake us. Spirit, I want to live, lift up our pastor Crispin to you. Lord, we give such thanks for this man of God and the vision you've given him. So Lord, right now we want to ask that the schemes of Satan and the demons, they cannot stand against our pastor or his family. Lord, may Crispin and Dina grow in you and as a couple, Lord, may they grow in love for each other and for others. Lord, may you bless them with finances, Lord, with wisdom, with grace and mercy. Lord, may you protect their children that no plans of the enemy can stand within them, against them. And Lord, as the future of North Shore Vineyard goes on, the legacy that we will leave behind is one of Christ-like peace, Christ-like grace, Christ-like love. Lord, we want to ask that we are such a loving community that when people are out there, they don't know where to go. They're in their rope. Somebody will say, have you tried North Shore Vineyard? And Lord, that we may be open to your call, that we may receive those who come in, the lost, the broken, the dirty, Lord. And we share your love with them just as you have shown our love to us. So, Lord, once again, thank you for this church you brought together, for your church. May you protect us and lead us into the future. In Jesus' name. All right. Now, now we're going to have two minutes of contemplative prayer. Just be silent. Just ask Jesus, what do you want to say to me, Lord? Picture him right there across from you. And just be as still and silent as possible. Draw us into your love, Christ Jesus and deliver us from fear. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not seek so much to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. 
Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Make us worthy, Lord, to serve our brothers and sisters throughout the world, who live and die in poverty and pain. Give them today, through our hands, their daily bread, and through your, our understanding, love. Give peace and joy. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the hungry, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness and justice, for great is their reward. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray that your fruit would be in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Dear Jesus, help us to spread your fragrance everywhere we go. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. Oh, good Jesus, hear me. Within your wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from you, from the malicious enemy defend me. In the hour of my death, call me and bid me come to you, that with your saints I may praise you forever and ever. Through our lives and by our prayers, may your kingdom come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. And if anybody needs any a personal prayer, somebody intercede for you in a personal way, we'll have people down here to pray for you. Until next week, y'all be blessed. I love y'all. Thank y'all. Amen.